Last week, Pope Francis gathered with more than 50,000 charismatic Catholics in Rome's Olympic Stadium. And he admitted that he was not always comfortable with the way they prayed. This is probably the case with most of you. I had my first Holy Spirit experience when I was 12 years old at a retreat. There were other young people praying and singing in tongues, others crying, some falling over. Not the most normal scene for a 12-year-old boy. But I don't remember it being weird. I remember it being one of the most beautiful scenes I have ever witnessed. And so, I've always had a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. But most of us don't. And we think that since we can't feel anything, that we haven't received the Holy Spirit. But if you've been baptized, you've received the Holy Spirit. If you've been to confession, you've received the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you've received any of the sacraments, including the Eucharist, you have received the Holy Spirit. Just because you don't feel anything doesn't mean you haven't received the Spirit. So here's my suggestion. Don't wait until you feel the Spirit. Act as if you had the Spirit. Act with wisdom and understanding. Act with courage and knowledge, with piety and fear of the Lord. Or better yet, act with love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Act as if you had the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I bet that sooner than you can say Pentecost, you'll be feeling the Spirit. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We begin, as always, by giving away a prize. Our winner this week is Maggie Marquis. Maggie Marquis, you've won a copy of John Angotti's album, I Believe. If you haven't heard from us yet, please contact us so you can claim your prize. And for the rest of you, if you'd like to win a prize, all you have to do is go to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio, and look where it says, Stay Connected and enter your name and email address. And we're now in June, and we're approaching the end of the fifth season of the Salt and Light Hour, and it is time to begin to assess the work that we do. And for this, we need your help. This show airs for free on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network in the U.S. Midwest, on Holy Family Radio in Northeastern Ohio, and online at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and we rely on the gracious support of these networks which like us also rely on your support i'd like to make a special plea today asking you to please support these radio networks if you like what they do catholic broadcasting is very important work but it costs money keep us in your prayers and if you can consider us when you're making your charitable contributions. If you like the Salt and Light Hour, please consider that you're listening to this program for free. And without your support, this program cannot exist. Please write to us and tell us what we can do to improve. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And if you can, please consider sending us a small donation to help us continue bringing you the best that Salt and Light can offer. Write to us for a chance to win music and books from our featured artists and authors. Radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can also send us comments via Facebook, or you can contact me directly via Facebook, I'm Deacon Pedro, or via Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. 
I'm very excited about our show today. We've been working on it for a while now. First off, after our news and Saint of the Week, Danny Torquia will be here to talk to us about riding the wave of media stories. He always has some great public relations advice, and this is invaluable advice for anyone working in the church. After that, Father Tom Rosica returns with a beautiful reflection for the Solemnity of Pentecost. That's in about 25 minutes. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with Jason Everett. Some of you will know Jason from the Theology of the Body for Teens that he's popularized. He has just written a book on St. John Paul II. I've read a lot about John Paul II, and I think Jason's book is one of the most insightful books that I've read on Pope John Paul II. That's going to be in about half an hour. And after that, we're going to be speaking with singer-songwriter and hip-hop artist Joe Melendris. We play all kinds of music on this program, as long as it's ministry. And Joe is doing very good ministry. So let's start with a song so you can get a sense of what he's doing. Here's Joe Melendris with Faithful from his album Kingdom Come. Faith in the purest state resides in the heart of those who pray. Belief in one God is what it takes. A life worth living is what it makes. Faith is the only way to make it in this world. We have to pray. Give glory to God every day. Know he hears every word you say. Faith is believing what is not seen. Giving up your life, every part of your being. Living in the light. With Jesus always walking, your worries go by, let the spirit do the talking. Faith has always been an act of passion, rooted in love, and yes, love is an action. Trust is a must in a faithful attraction. Christ at the center and the rest will just happen. Again, through the trials and tribulations, perseverance builds patience, and it's hard to be Living my life as a true witness Welcome God's path, even if it's different That was in the past, all I want is God vision I know I'm called to shine bright And glow like a beacon of light Let go of my fears and failure Instead accept his will and favor God has foreseen great things Something much better than this world that is key Let grace take over inside of me Move my heart to accept and believe and never leave But focus on the freedom, the kingdom, you and me You and me, love has already come high and lifted up The premier pioneer, faithful before us yeah. Through the trials and tribulations, perseverance builds patience And it's hard to be grateful Joe Melendres with Faithful from his album Kingdom Come. And we're going to be speaking with Joe Melendres in our second half hour. But now, here is Alicia with our news with details about the prayer gathering tomorrow. The Pentecost prayer gathering. Yes, but first, 
we should say that we are all very, very happy. There, uh, the Canadian sister who was kidnapped in Cameroon oh, yes. two months ago, yes, she was released. She yes. and the two Italian priests who were, were kidnapped released, with her yeah. were released. They are doing well. They have told people that they were actually well treated by their captors. They were they were never without food or medication, hmm. and good. And they got through it because there were three of them together and they were able to pray together through the whole thing. So we're all very happy about that, as are the Notre Dame sisters Mm -hmm. of Montreal. Yes. Right. So you want to know about this Pentecost prayer meeting, which is... Pentecost prayer party. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Um, It's now being referred to by various sources as a prayer meeting and an invocation for peace and asking for forgiveness. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So very interesting, but the the detail that caught our eye, that caught everyone's eye, is that Patriarch Bartholomew was invited to this. Really? Yes, the ecumenical patriarch uh-huh. who Pope Francis met with in the Holy Land was invited. We're being told during that Holy Land trip, he was also invited to participate. Okay. He accepted. He arrived in Rome today, and he's going to be celebrating the divine liturgy at an Orthodox church in Rome and then joining the Pope, the rabbi and the Imam and Shimon Peres and Mahmoud Abbas for this prayer meeting. So this is amazing. This is like Pentecost. Wow. The spirit is descending. Yes. And of course everyone is, everyone at the Vatican is still telling us just calm down. You know, this is a prayer meeting. It's not being televised, is it? No, no. Although we do, I'm sure we'll hear. I'm sure we'll hear and (laughs) we'll get photos. Yes. But just remember, it is a prayer meeting. It's not a negotiation. It's not an international Mm -hmm. summit. Don't expect, you know, everything to change when they walk out of that room. It's a prayer meeting. It's the first step in a dialogue process. Maybe encouraging everyone who's listening to join in in prayer. Yes, and many organizations are doing that. Many organizations are asking their members to join in prayer, as Shimon Peres and. Mahmoud Abbas, meet, join in mm-hmm. prayer, support them in prayer. Yes. Okay, other things at the Vatican, less prayer-related, more financial-related. Oh, good. The Secretary for the Economy was created mm-hmm. not too long ago by Pope mm-hmm. Francis. He put Cardinal Pell as the head of that secretariat. And we have learned this week that Cardinal Pell called on someone he knows and trusts very well to be the project manager, to head up the project management division. And I think you know him as well, Danny Casey. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, World Youth Day. So for those who don't know, Danny Casey, yes, was the, I believe, chief operating officer of World Youth Day. Yeah, he basically ran World Youth Day 2008. 2008. He is the business manager for the Archdiocese of Sydney, Mm -hmm. and he is now going to be the project manager for the Vatican's Secretariat of the Economy. Mm -hmm. So this revolution that's happening in the Vatican finances um, is being done in English. It's carrying out in English. One columnist pointed out that's significant because there's a lot of words that we use in English, like accountability, (laughs) that don't (laughs) exist in Italian. And if the word doesn't exist, Uh, the concept concept isn't there. (laughs) Yeah, good. So that's significant. And then this one, I think you're going to want to weigh in on this one, Pedro. The Bishop of Regensburg, Germany, was taking part in a big um, Catholic gathering that happens annually. And as part of one of his talks, he referred, he focused on the word laity, the term laity. Laity. And he said, we really should stop using that word. Okay. Because it doesn't quite get across the concept of the laity that Vatican II 
um, defined okay. for us. Mm -hmm. So he proposed that instead of referring to people in the church as lay people, lady, we should refer to them as Christians in the world. Okay. And there was there was a long, yeah. He spoke about the priesthood, the ministerial priesthood, the priesthood of the baptized. Yes. So if we all share in that baptism, mm -hmm. you can't you can't make distinctions that some people are just kind of ordinary yeah. Christians and yes. other people are yes. higher ranking Christians. Yes. Yes. So mm. we should be Christians in the world. Yeah, a lot of people had the same reaction you did. <laughs> yeah. Don't we have other things to worry about? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe. And it might be one of those concepts it that's really a stumbling block for German Christians. Could be. So the Bishop of Regensburg has also asked the faithful to send him suggestions. Oh, good. As to what a suitable word could be. So if you speak German, if you're a bilingual English <laughs> German speaker and you can think of a term that works in German, that works in German, that better send it radio <laughs> at saltandlighttv.org. <laughs> And we'll send it to how the Bishop to say of Regensburg. <laughs> how to not say laity in German. <laughs> yes, that's that's our homework for the week. That's it. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you very much. Uh, important, interesting s stories, <laughs> um, all of them. Thank you very much. Alicia Ambrosio is our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can watch Alicia on Vatican Connections every Friday at 8 p.m. on Salt and Light TV and also on demand at saltandlighttv.org. You can also follow her on Twitter at Connections. Hi, I'm Steve Angrisano, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and our Facebook page is facebook.com slash slradio1. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Another week, Deacon Pedro. Andrew, A new month. Back. A new month. June. A new month. Can yes. you believe it? Summer. Okay, all the winter blues are gone. So we have a summer saint. Yes, we, um, Maybe yeah, not. if you want to call it a summer saint. Um, I was actually um, earlier this week on a pilgrimage with grade 8 students from here in Unionville, and uh, okay. we were in Montreal. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Montreal is one of my favorite cities. A Montreal uh, saint. America. Uh, so I... much history. And then you look at the beautiful oratory up yes. on St. Joseph's Boulevard. It's just exceptional. Yes. So I thought that we would look at God's doorkeeper. Yes. <laughs> Last week we looked at the life of St. Gianna Mola, who um, interestingly enough, uh, Salt Lake did a documentary on. Yes. And now we're going to look at another saint that Salt Lake Television has done a documentary on, one of our finest. St. Andre. God's doorkeeper, St. Andre Bissett. Yes. Tell okay. us. And another connection. Uh, we have a Catholic high school here in Markham uh, uh -huh. named uh, uh, Brother Andre. Yes. St. Brother Andre. I think yes. that's what it's called. They changed the name. Yeah, they changed the name. They put a saint in front of the brother. They decided <laughs> to keep the brother. Of course. So, okay, here we go. Uh, saint Andre, who is he? What did he do? Brother Andre um, expressed a saint's faith, and he had a lifelong devotion to Saint Joseph. Um, we know that by looking at his life story. Um, sickness and weakness um, has been with Andre ever since he was born. Uh, we know that he was the eighth of 12 children born to a French-Canadian couple near uh, Montreal. Adopted at the age of 12, uh, when both parents had died, he became a farmhand. And he had the chance to work in many, many trades. He was a shoemaker. We know that he was a blacksmith. Uh, he was a baker. And he failed at all of those trades. <laughs> mm. uh, he was a factory worker in the United States during the boom times of the Civil War. And at the age of 25, he applied for entrance into the Congregation of the Holy Cross. That was the religious order that he ended up, being be that he ended up belonging to. 
Um, so after a year's novitiate, he was not admitted because of his weak health. Um, but he was finally received at the urging of a bishop. He was finally received into the community. And he was given the humble job of the doorkeeper at Notre Dame College in Montreal. And he was given other duties like sacristan, doing the laundry, and he was a messenger. In his little room near the door, he spent much of the night on his knees. And on his windowsill, which faced Mount Royal, uh, if you go to Montreal, you know it's very famous for the mountain, uh, was a small statue of St. Joseph, to whom he had been devoted since he was a small child. When many people asked about it, he said, well, you know, someday St. Joseph is going to be honored in a very special way on Mount Royal. Hmm. How did he know? Yes. When he heard someone was ill, he visited them to bring them cheer, comfort. He prayed with that sick person. Uh, he would rub the sick person lightly with oil taken from a lamp burning in the college chapel. And, you know, just like Jesus' mission when he was here on earth, word of the healing powers began to spread. So when an epidemic broke out at a nearby college, Andre volunteered to nurse, and not one person died. So, and he said, I do not cure. St. Huh. Joseph cures. Mm -hmm. So in the end, he needed four secretaries to handle the 80,000 letters that he received each year. Right. Unbelievable. For many years, the Holy Cross um, community had tried to buy land on Mount Royal. Uh, Brother Andre and others climbed the hill and planted medals of St. Joseph, and suddenly the owners yielded. Andre collected about $200 to build a small chapel and began receiving visitors there. Um, smiling through the many long hours of ministry, listening, applying St. Joseph's oil to people, some were cured, some were not. Mm -hmm. Similar to the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, as I tell the kids. Some are cured, some are not. Um, the pile of crutches, canes, and braces grew, and the chapel also grew. So by 1931, there were gleaming walls, but all the money ran out. So um, the magnificent oratory on Mount Royal took 50 years to build. So this boy, this very sickly boy who we know, who could not hold a job, he ended up dying at 92. Hmm. He's buried at the oratory. He was beatified in the year 1982 and canonized uh, in 2010 by Pope Benedict XVI. And at that very canonization in October of 2010, Pope Benedict XVI said that Andre lived the beatitude of the pure of a heart. Right. So we look to St. Andre Bessette. Uh, we celebrate his feast day on January the 6th. January 6th, St. Andre Bessette. Yeah, good Canadian saint. Yeah, great Canadian saint, great city. Love Montreal. There you go. Travel advice. With Andrew Santos. Hey, maybe you need a travel show on Salt Lake Radio. <laughs> a travel segment, maybe. Saints, Saints and Travel. There you go. Saints, Saints and Food and Travel. Yeah, Food with and Travel, Andrew Saints and Travel. We leave it up to the listeners. <laughs> Write us. Let us know if you <laughs> want Andrew to give you food tips. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Andrew Santos is our saint expert. He's a youth director at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario. This is John Angotti, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. Visit us and like our page. Also visit us at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and stay connected for a chance to win prizes from our featured artists and authors. And now it's time for... Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Delighted to be here with you. So, so riding the wave, I feel like I'm surfing. What does it mean to ride the wave of what's in the news? Well, you know, it, it's so important to know what, where people are at, um, both physically where they're at congregating and also where they're at 
in terms of uh, on the digital continent what they're talking about or in the media landscape what their what stories are they reading about in the news or on the evening newscast and so it's so important for for a, a church group or a church, faith-based organization to follow the news in the community uh, what people are writing about and also you know what are people doing if fathers if, if fathers day coming up then maybe they should think about the intersection of, of father fatherhood and faith or if people are following a big sporting event whether it's a super bowl or a world cup and so you know those are amazing thing tactics to be plugged into all the time as a way to gain a share of voice as we say in marketing and that's all for a good purpose for the new evangelization and to try to get people to talk about faith. Okay, that, it, it makes sense to me. Does it mean that we're letting what's current shape the story? Or does it mean that we have to be clever in spinning our story so that it relates to what's current? Well, our, you're right. Our story will always relate because our story is the story of faith, of, of truth, of, of the Holy Spirit, and it permeates. Even into the darkest of stories, uh, if we fight hard enough, hopefully we can find a story that gives hope even in the darkest circumstances. Now, it's not always the case, uh -huh. but I'll give you an example of um, once, you know, a couple of years ago, I met a brilliant church communicator, uh, a, 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 a priest from Germany named Brother Paulus, who yes. was a priest and a brother. Yes. And I think you might have met him. Yeah, I and did. He told us. Um, that he used to, for a couple of years, he used to write an, an op-ed or a story based on the headline of the day in the local daily in his town in Germany. Uh -huh. So he would look at the, the daily news and pick a headline from the tabloid paper or the daily, I do not know, but then find that, use that as a, as a way to get into a, a homily or an article of faith. And, and that's pretty brilliant, and he gained a lot of uh, visibility and awareness to the point where people said, hey, are you that priest that does this? And I want to talk to you about this that's in the news, but I want your faith perspective. And so the answer is we, we need to, wherever, we should find ways to weave our story when it's appropriate. So we can't make things up, but yeah. we should be always open. And how do you be, how are you open? By, but by listening to people, either your parishioners or your donors or the people you're yeah. servicing. And that is a good thing to build uh -huh. as, a, as a general, you know, good thing to do overall. Yeah. Now, you, yeah. No, I was going to say it sounds like it's meeting people where they're where they're at. Um, the, the, um, the, the people are 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 paying attention to in Ontario to, right now. There's an election coming up. Uh, FIFA World Cup is coming up. Those are things that people are are watching, and we can completely ignore that. And yeah. not pay attention to what's in the news and do our own thing, or we can try to ride the wave. That's that's what it, I, that's what you're talking about, right? I, yeah, I'd love to give you an example. That, you know, in in Toronto where I live, there's a, a visiting priest from Egypt, and and he's developed a whole curriculum and conferences based on atheism, uh -huh. simply because atheism is growing very fast in Egypt, his home country. So you know, rather than uh, avoid the topic. Uh, he's embracing it strictly to understand what the youth of Egypt are living and what they're thinking. So I think it's, it's very important to use media. We PR people or people who are listening to this program who are involved in a ministry. We should be aware that we've got to listen to the, the stakeholders, the, the constituents, 
um, and say, you know what, what are you, what, why are you feeling this way, or why is this popular to you, or why are you right. following the story of Miley Cyrus yeah. or anyone else? What is it that you're interested in? Yeah. And, 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 and you'll see, maybe there's the Holy Spirit guiding us to figure out a way to make the bridge, because at the end of the day, PR people are bridges between different groups. So here yeah. we're bridging faith with culture. Right, and that means that if the media person calls you because they want to talk about why the Pope wants us to have children and not pets, and we don't think that's a story, we should still engage. Well, you know, you're right. Once we know what's in the news or what people are talking about, it forces us to prepare. In other words, think about the the bridging that we can do, the the angles. But also to say, um, you know what, if we're really good, we can anticipate needs. And we can call up the local journal, uh, newspaper and say, hey, if you're going to cover the story of FIFA, I've got to, I mean, if you're tired of the sports angles and who scores the best goal, and you want to dig deep in a new angle, well, we've got a couple of people here at our parish who have links to the Brazilian players or whatever, yeah. and you can kind of anticipate stories that might be in the news, and you'll, you'll see that editors, even if they have a bias against the faith, yeah. They, if you're nifty enough, they'll say, you know what? That's a fresh angle. Yeah. And and let me hear you more. And they might might assign it to a journalist. Okay. Thank you for this riding the wave. Of what's in the news? Uh, thank you, Danny, for your insights today. My pleasure. Danny Torquia is our public relations expert. He's the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia. Hi, I'm Michael James Meddy, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Let us reflect for a moment on the great gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive on Pentecost Sunday. As we celebrate the outpouring of Christ's Spirit upon each of us, we discover that the Holy Spirit makes the Christian experience truly Catholic and universal, open to all human experience. The whole of the New Testament can be understood precisely as the emergence of the Catholic, the universal in Christian life. Christianity, had it not moved from where it was particular and small, would have just been a small modification of the Jewish experience, a subset of Jewish piety that was still focused in and around Jerusalem and the restoration of a literal kingdom of Israel. The first two generations of Christians discovered that Christianity couldn't be just that. Because they had received the Holy Spirit, which is the universal principle, the Holy Spirit opened their eyes to the universal import of the Christian truth and it does so through their encountering non-Jews who receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. To be Catholic is to be universal and open to the world, not only to Canada or North America or a certain familiar part of the world or segment of society, but it must be open to all, open to every single person. The mind of Christ is not intended to be a selective mentality for a few, but the perspective from which the whole world will be renewed and redeemed. An insight like this, the universal scope of salvation, did not, however, come easily and without much straining. The Holy Spirit is always universal, always thinking beyond our boundaries, the horizons of our imaginations. We become an evangelizing, spirit-filled church when we allow the Spirit to fill us with holiness, joy, and peace. When we are caught up in the Spirit, when the Spirit dwells within us, the Spirit gives us creativity and imagination. Empowered by the Spirit, 
the Christian community can dare to dream dreams, to hope great things, to see visions, and to witness in word and deed to the power of the Spirit whose fruits are seen by the traces of justice in the world. We are not the principal evangelizers. It is the Holy Spirit who is the greatest evangelizer, who needs transparent instruments, who have emptied themselves of their agendas and opened themselves to God's work. The Holy Spirit makes us transcend all of those tribal and narcissistic impulses of our times for the sake of enfolding every human person into the reality of Christ. What is the deepest and surest assurance and intimation that the Spirit is present in this in-between time of the first fruits, inspiring hope of a harvest yet to come? It is joy. If there is joy present, you can bet that the Holy Spirit has something to do with this deep and authentic joy. St. Augustine, who was the most musically passionate of the Fathers of the Church, memorably evokes the experience of joy in the presence of the Spirit with these words. He says, Whenever people must labor hard, they begin with songs whose words express their joy. But when joy brims over and words are not enough, they abandon even this coherence and give themselves to the sheer sound of singing. What is this jubilation? What is this exultant song? It is the melody that means our hearts are bursting with feelings that cannot express themselves. And to whom does this jubilation most surely belong? Truly to God who is unutterable. If words will not come and may not remain silent, what else can they do but let the melody soar? This is the song of the Holy Spirit. Father Thomas Rosica is a Basilian priest. He's the CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation and the executive producer of this program. You can follow him on Twitter at Father Rosica. Coming up in our second half hour, St. John Paul II's Five Loves and a featured chat with hip-hop artist Joe Melendres. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. A French novelist once wrote, Tell me what you love, and I will tell you who you are. And this is the approach that Jason Everett took in studying the life and work of St. John Paul the Great, by entering the man's heart. It's a fascinating read, and to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Jason Everett. Jason, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks for having me on. So, um, I, I think most people know you as the theology of the body for teens guy. So, not the John Paul II expert. Did you become interested in Pope John Paul through theology of the body, or, or the, the, how did that happen? Well, I was somewhat spoiled in that I got to see him more than 20 times uh, <laughs> over the course of my life. And in many of my travels, I met many priests and bishops and cardinals who were very close friends to him. And because of my love for John Paul II, I, I would always pump these people for information. Well, tell right. me about this. What does he like about that? And they would divulge these stories to me that I had never seen in print before, and I kept collecting them and thinking, one day i got to put them all together and make a book out of it. And then with the announcement of his canonization uh, coming up you know, about a year ago, I said, okay, it's time. And so I started compiling them all, read about 50 biographies, and then had George Weigel, his official biographer, yes. uh, read the whole thing, proof it, and endorse it. Okay, so that's so, where it all came from. Okay, I see. So you had been compiling stories for the last 
25 years, <laughs> basically. Um, did, did your idea of, of what the book was going to be change since uh, John Paul died? Uh, well, you know, I, I would say so, because at the beginning it was just a collection of these fantastic stories and miracles and anecdotes that really drew you into understanding who he was. And then as I was writing it and reading all the biographies and trying to think, what direction should I go in, I realized that there were these, these themes of love coming up in his life, love for the Virgin Mary, for the cross, for the Eucharist, for young people, and for human love. And mm-hmm. so many of these stories seem to clump into those categories. The book almost seemed to write itself. Right. Now, how did you, like you said, you've probably heard tons of stories. I've heard tons of stories. How did you kind of weed, <laughs> differentiate fact from fiction, urban legends, that kind of stuff? Yeah, one thing I was very obsessive with is I don't want any urban legends and apocryphal stories of the Holy Father making their way into the text. So yeah. I made sure when it came time to publish it, I went back to all of the original sources and had them tell me their story specifically, like uh, an archbishop or cardinal telling me this story or that story. Um, and then George Weigel, his biographer, who knows him as well as anyone, yeah. read the entire thing and helped me clean up some elements and drop some things and add others. And then for things that he didn't know the answer to, we he put me in touch with John Paul's uh, personal secretary, Cardinal Stanislav Jeevish. Yeah. And so Jeevish was able to go through some of it as well and help us out to make sure that it's all fact. Yeah. Now, I, I, it, the thing that probably intrigued me the most, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good thing or not about the book, is, is the person who wrote the foreword. How did you end up connecting with Mario Ensler and, and even getting him to write a foreword? Why him? Well, Mario Ensler is one of the John Paul Swiss guards, and there was a, a day that I was at morning mass, I saw on Monday or Tuesday morning, and uh, just praying about the book. It was one of John Paul's feast days, actually. Uh, I think it was the day that he was, um, I believe it was October 22nd, uh, the inauguration of his papacy. Just praying about the book, and a priest walked up to me and said, oh, we haven't caught up in a while. How you been doing? I said, oh, I'm writing a book on John Paul II, all these great <laughs> stories. I said, you don't know anyone who might have some personal stories. He said, well, my brother-in-law was his Swiss guard, and he's been wanting for a long time to share these stories, but he just doesn't have the time. Uh And so it was really a divine appointment where we were able to get some of these stories from someone who knew him on an intimate basis in that way. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great. Now, there's a lot of stories in the book. You heard a lot of stories. You have a lot of personal experience. What would you say is one or maybe two stories that moved you the most or that surprised you the most about John Paul? Uh, one of my favorites was when he came to visit the Archdiocese of Baltimore, I believe it was in 95. The Vatican always sends out a crew in advance to make sure everything's ready for his visit. And the head man there is a priest by the name of Father Roberto Tucci. Uh-huh. And when he arrived at the bishop's residence where the Pope was going to stay for a little rest, he was walking down a hallway, and the hallway was lined on either side with doors that all look identical. One of them opened up to a chapel with the Blessed Sacrament. And Father Tucci turned to the priest I know out there, Father White, and he said to Father Michael White, now when the Holy Father comes, you just make sure this door is closed. We can't let him know that there's a chapel here. Because the Holy Father, whenever he found the Blessed Sacrament, would go in, he'd get lost in prayer, and it would ruin the entire schedule. So they would actually have to reroute the Pope Mobile away from Catholic churches, because he'd want to get out, go in the church, and the schedule would be annihilated. So so when John Paul II came... He's walking down this, this narrow hallway. All the doors look identical, and he passes the closed door of the chapel. And he just stops, and he turns around. He looks at the door, 
And then he looked over at Father Tucci, and he shook his finger, and he wagged his head at him. And then he turned around and went right into that room to pray. And Father Michael White, he said, there's no way on earth he could have known. He's never been here before, and all the doors looked the same, but he sensed our Lord's presence. And then he did it again the very next day at a different venue, that he could sense the presence of our Lord. Yeah. A lot of the stories that you tell, and and I'm sure that, I mean, stories that I've heard, and I'm sure stories that you've heard but didn't tell, um, really show John Paul as a mystic, that, that there was there was an uh, otherworldly divine connection that he had. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I think he is going to go down in church history as one of the great mystics of the church. But, you know, as with all saints, things of this depth take a while to come to the surface. Mm. They had asked him, you know, has the Virgin Mary ever, ever appeared to you? Yeah. But no. They said, has the Virgin Mary ever spoken to you? And he said, well, yes. And on one of those instances, my friend was sitting next to him, Father or Monsignor George Tracy, and it was after they had received communion, he was celebrating with the Holy Father, he said, John Paul II sat down, put his hands in his face, and started sobbing and crying, and saying, no, Maria, no, Madonna, no, Maria. And my friend Monsignor George just sat there and watched and listened to this, not knowing what to do. After the Mass was over, a Vatican prelate came up to Monsignor George and said, oh, did you enjoy your Mass with the Holy Father? And he said, I did, but he said, after communion, the Holy Father was very shaken up, and he said it, was, he said it seemed like he was speaking to the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And the Vatican prelate said, well, we know, he does that all the time, and she's the only one he listens to around here. Yes. That his prayer life was quite deep, and this is why Cardinal Ratzinger, then Benedict XVI, said, if you really want to get to know John Paul II, it's not by reading his books you know, or, or studying his speeches, it's by celebrating Mass with him and yes. by letting yourself be drawn into the intense silence of his prayer. Yes, amazing. And I think, I mean, we talk about he's a saint, and we talk about St. John Paul the Great. As you said, he wasn't sainted because of theology of the body or because of encyclicals or, or speeches or tearing down, you know, bringing down communism. He's sainted, I think, for these five, you know, these loves that you've identified um, because I think that that's where the witness is for us, that we too can have a love for the Virgin Mary, for the cross, for the Blessed Sacrament, for human love and young people. Those are the five. Can you, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how those five can be uh, examples for all of us in terms of our, our journey towards holiness? Yeah, and, and I'll admit, that five number, it's arbitrary. I could have made yes. this chapter 500 chapters long, <laughs> made it as 500 loves. Yeah. His love for Poland, of unborn children, of this and of that. Yeah. You know, but at some point, you needed to draw a line. And so it started with these five. But, you know, you look at his love, for example, of, you know, the Eucharist and Our Lady, which we've spoken of, um, you know, and how he would hardly ever see him without a rosary in his hand. Yeah. People who knew him well said he was in such a state of constant prayer. It's not as if he took time to enter prayer. He took time to get out of prayer for the sake of other people, yeah. to actually yeah. have conversations and do business, but it seemed as if he was in a state of constant prayerfulness. And his suffering, especially toward the end of his life, you know, he really taught us how to live and gave us the theology of the body, but his greatest homily was really spoken with no words, that mm-hmm. he taught us how to die, mm-hmm. and he taught us the value of redemptive suffering. And in the midst of all of his suffering, he had a great sense of humor about it all. I mean, he spent 164 days in the Jumeli Hospital, he started calling it Vatican III, <laughs> and he suffered so much, but he, he had a sense of humor about it all, and he also knew that the goal is not just to accept your sufferings, 
or to surrender to them, but for your sufferings to become victorious. Because in becoming man, Christ redeemed all things human, human work, human love, human suffering, and all of it can take on a supernatural significance if we have the eyes to see. And so if we have suffering in our lives, whether it's cancer, unemployment, a difficult spouse, whatever it is, everything could be offered up as a prayer. Because as Christians, we often think the Church is just a collection of believers, when the body of Christ is an actual extension of Jesus Christ through time, space, and history, and he continues to redeem mankind through the suffering of his body, the Church. And so what John Paul is trying to teach us, that you shouldn't waste your suffering. Every cross that you go through can be offered up and released great graces for the church. So we need to learn mm. to embrace that cross and offer it up. And he gave us such a beautiful example of that. Yeah, that's so true. Great lesson, great lessons for all of us. Um, and I'm sure we're going to be unpacking a lot of his life, his his works, his his speeches, his sayings as, as the years go by. Thank you, Jason, for writing the book. I, I've read a lot about John Paul II, and this is one of the, the best books that I've read on his life, the most complete. So thank you for helping us get to know St. John Paul the Great a little better. Oh, you're welcome. And, you know, if people want to get the book, they can get them in single copies, but we recommend get them in bulk. They're only $2 a piece in bulk. Excellent. So that way people can get a case at a time and use that to evangelize others. Excellent. Thank you. That's a great, a great, great offer. Um, thank you very much, Jason. You're welcome. God bless. Jason Everett is a popular speaker on many subjects and is the author of more than a dozen books, including Pure Faith, Theology of the Body for Teens, and How to Find Your Soulmate Without Losing Your Soul. He and his wife, Kristalina, run the website chastityproject.com, and they live in Colorado with their children. Jason's new book, St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves, is published by Totus Tuus Press, and you can purchase your copy or in bulk, $2 a copy at jp2book.com. That's jp and the number 2 book.com, but we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Next week, we're going to be giving away a copy of this book, so go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and sign up for a chance to win. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Joe Melendres, with Sacred from his album, Kingdom Come.
Joe Melendres with Sacred, featuring the beautiful vocals of Danielle Rose. Now, if you go by what you just heard or by seeing photos of him, Joe Melendres appears to be like any other hip-hop artist, whether Christian or not. But if you take a closer look, you'll see something else. Joe has a degree in religious studies and works as a pastoral retreat minister at a high school. When he's not running retreats, Joe is making music. And Joe's music has been heard all over, including Uganda, Rome, Australia, Brazil, and Spain for World Youth Day 2011. His third and latest album, which we've been listening to, is titled Kingdom Come. And to tell us more about that album and about the great work that he's doing, I am now joined all the way from California by Joe Melendres. Joe, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going Happy good. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's almost summer here in Canada. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> no, it's good. You guys have summer in California all the time. Yeah, it's, it's already getting hot here. Is it? Now, you grew up Catholic, right? Um, but, yes, sir. But when you were a teenager, you went to an ACTS retreat. Uh, our listeners, we've talked about ACTS, Adoration, Community, Theology, and Service. In fact, we spoke about it. I don't know if you know Ben Apollinar from Houston. Okay. He told us about okay. it just recently. So you went to an ACTS retreat. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, the ACTS retreat, it was actually the first teen ACTS retreat um, in San Antonio. And because most ACTS is more geared towards adults. So uh, a senior in high school invited me to go on it. I, went, I was going to an all-boys Catholic high school. And, you know, I was into more performing I was into, you know, you know, I was into Justin Timberlake and the Usher and, you know, developing my stage presence, stuff like that. And I'm right. like, okay, I can do a retreat. God wasn't, you know, a, a big focal part of my life. He was involved in my life, but he wasn't the center. Yeah. And so I went on this retreat and I had this really powerful experience on the retreat where I call it almost like an anointing. And I started crying and weeping and it wasn't tears of sadness. It wasn't tears of joy. It was tears of the spirit. It was mm-hmm. tears that were not of this world. And I knew at that moment that God was real and that he had a special plan for my life and that he wanted me to share him with others because I looked around and not everybody was crying like I was crying. Yeah. And so it's like the spirit touched me in a special way. 
Um, so it was, it was a, it was, I say it's as if he activated my spirit and my soul at that moment. And I like, I, I came alive. So right. How, that was a big moment for me. I was 15 years old. You were 15 years old. Now you said you were, so you were already doing music. You were already performing. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, yeah. so you were on that track? Were, were you thinking I'm going to be a performer you know, musician when I grew well, when up? When I was in, when I was in eighth grade, I was in a talent show, um, at my eighth grade school and uh, we, I did Bye Bye Bye, which is, you know, a classic instinct song. Yeah. And uh, <sighs> I got this bug. when I, I was always a shy kid. I love playing basketball. But that after that one performance, I was like, wow, I want to do this. And so, you know, it, it kind of started a fire inside of me. And so I wanted to pursue it and grow my talent, develop it. So I practice a lot, dance a lot. And I knew that, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have the vocals that Justin Timberlake or Michael Jackson or Usher had. Uh-huh. So I got, I had to find a new way of expressing it. Well, well, then when I when God touched my life, I'm like, wow. Well, I don't want to leave this behind. Why don't I I mesh them together? Why don't I use my my uh, hunger for performing and sharing um, God with other people? So it's like it's like mixing both. And so I decided to start rapping because I also I love hip hop as well. Okay. And I saw that you know a lot of our youth connect with hip hop today. And I was like, you know, what better way is to really you know experience God through powerful music. Um, in, in hip hop, so that's why I started pursuing and okay. kind of playing with um, making Christian rap. Right now, but you didn't you enter a contest that 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 had you uh, doing hip hop or rapping? Um, yeah, it's um, you know I I uh, I started rapping when I was in in high school, but then when I went to college at University of Dayton uh, Catholic Mary's University in Ohio. Yeah, um, there was this contest at this restaurant called Chipotle. Chipotle is pretty popular now; it's all over the place and. And it's just, the contest is geared to help basically bring other college students to Chipotle. So I entered this contest, and I, I was supposed to be just write an essay, but I wrote an essay and recorded a rap. Uh-huh. And, um, and I ended up winning the contest, and I ended up winning three burritos a day, every day, for <laughs> one year. <laughs> That's great. And did you eat all of them, or did you share them? And, well, that's the thing. People are like, what are you doing? Are you going to freeze them? Are you going to store them? I'm like, you know, I got the Holy Spirit let me. And I was like, you know... Uh, I'd actually come to this realization that, you know, sharing meals with people is very Eucharistic mm, yeah. in form. Yeah. And that if every meal I could share with somebody new, share with somebody, learn about their life, about, talk about faith, bring God, that could be very Eucharistic. And so God gave me this opportunity now with free food every day for a year. So I started bringing people that I know, that I didn't know. Um, I would make announcements after church and say, hey, if anyone wants to go to Chipotle this week, let me know. Email me at ChipotleJoe at gmail.com. Right. You know, and I was like making appointments to meet people, and it turned into this ministry. And it was like this, this like a retreat in an hour with free food, and it was incredible. Nice. Now, your first, yeah. your, your first album is a rosary rap album. How did that mm-hmm. idea come about? Well, actually, from the Axe Retreat, one of, one of the portions of the Axe is, is teaching the rosary to, uh-huh. to the teens on retreat. And when I started leading Axe after I went on it, um, you know, I started praying the rosary uh, consistently, and I started experiencing so many graces in my life. And I'm like, people have got to experience this, especially young people. And so um, they said, my director said, hey, Joe, you pray the rosary, right? I said, yeah. I said, well, can you do something creative to, to share the rosary with people? I'm like, yeah, what do you think about like a, a rosary wrap? She's like, <laughs> I like it. Go for it. Nice. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I was just sitting in the back of, of my English class, and I wrote this little rosary rap, and um, the the chorus of that that intro was, "Don't matter how you say it, speak it from your face, let it start from your heart." Hail Mary, full of grace. 
Right. And that if it, it's coming from our heart, from our soul, everything can be a prayer. And so that's why the rosary wrap is basically the entire rosary with music behind it that can help you go deeper into meditation uh, and to understand the rosary and make it come to life. Um, for me, I'm a very creative person and visual person, so yeah, it yeah. helps me to pray, and I think it helps others to pray as well. So it was designed as a, as a tool to help teens pray on a retreat, and then my director said, hey, you made, you've gone this far, you made an intro, make the whole CD. Nice. And um, that was that was a scary moment for me, but you know, uh, six years later, I launched the official album. Uh huh. Good. Um, y- you now run what you call Joe Melendres Ministries. So, yeah. what is your focus? What What do you do? Well, the the, the tagline for Joe Melendres Ministries is building a generation of believers. So, uh-huh. our goal in Joe Melendres Ministries is to evangelize, constantly use innovative ways to to make disciples of all nations. And specifically, what we've been focusing on um, right now is through music, um, through the the CDs I've been putting out, through yeah. the inspirational concert experiences. I travel to a lot of different schools, churches, parishes, um, you know, do youth rallies, and really try to inspire um, all people, but especially young people, and try to fan that flame and let the Holy Spirit just move inside their lives. So that's that's one one method. Another thing is really important to me because I was kind of changed by was a retreat. So mm-hmm. retreat experiences are super important. Yesterday, yeah. I just did an eighth grade retreat um, at a parish uh, in in, in uh, Los Angeles. And it's just like, to me, to build those relationships, to let the experience go beyond just an hour in a concert, yeah. super powerful. Yeah. So that's why I love doing that. And then the third aspect is faith-based apparel, because yeah. I always say, everyone's got to put clothes on. Why not clothe yourself with God? Why not clothe yourself with spirit and, and promote your faith uh, and, and represent what you believe? So I created a, a clothing line called God Swag Apparel, yeah, nice. so people can wear their face. Good, that's so cool. Now you're you're busy. I'm just going to rhyme off some dates here in in, in case people sure. are in the area. June 22nd and 27th in in Simi Valley, California. June 28th in Amarillo, Texas. July mm-hmm. 11th, 13th, you're in Spain at the Multifestival David. Um, mm-hmm. July 17th, you're 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 back in LA. August 8th and 9th in Hawaii. You, do you need a deacon to go with you to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to come, yes, go for it. that'd be great. <laughs> and then and then you're back in California. People can get all those dates, all your tour dates, at your website. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to let you go until you give us the 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 new album that we've been listening to, Kingdom Come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a meaning to that title for you. I I, I sense, and maybe I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of where your ministry is going right now in terms of bringing heaven yeah. on earth. Tell us about Kingdom you know, Come. For, yeah, to me, I mean, heaven has always been an underlying issue, like an uh, underlying message in all of my raps. That from fully alive, I I lean towards it, and then you know other songs I've written, I'm constantly so. For after I, I release my second album fully live and even during rosie rap i i always wanted to do a kingdom come album i knew that it was going to be yeah. the third title of my third album so the holy spirit really led that to me but for me it's like we we need we need this we need to bring heaven to earth we need to prepare for the kingdom we need to understand that our citizenship is in heaven that god has a place prepared for us that this is a temporary home but we must do the best that we can while we're here. So for me and growing and maturing in my faith to focus on God's kingdom um, was, is really powerful. And, and like you said, it's very relevant to me right now. And I feel that the Holy Spirit was calling me to share that um, with others. Amen. Joe, we got to leave it there, but thank you so much for a, a for you. coming on the show. It's been great. We've been trying to get, get you on the show for a while now um, and for doing what you do and for sharing that with us today. Keep, my keep pleasure. It up, my God bless you. 
Joe Melendres is a uh, singer, songwriter, hip-hop artist, retreat leader, speaker. You can find out more about him, buy his music, or book him for your parish or your event at his website, joemelendres.com. Here now is Joe with Forever Alive from that new album, Kingdom Come. is why he lived he died now that he's coming gone his love is on and on we are forever strong we're listening to forever alive by joe melendres from his album kingdom come and that will bring us to the end of our program this week next week we're giving away a copy of joe melendres kingdom come and also a copy of jason everett's book saint john paul the great his five loves so go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and sign up for a chance to win. If you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. This show would not be possible without the support of our featured artists and all our guests. So go check them out and support their work. Also, remember our partner radio stations, the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, and Holy Family Radio when you're making your donations. And remember us too, this show is completely free thanks to donations. So please contact us to learn how you can help keep the Salt and Light Hour on the air. Our email is radio at saltandlighttv.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. And while you're there, you can also look for me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro. I'm also on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Every comment or message that we get will get you entered in our weekly draw for a chance to win great prizes from our featured artists and authors. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. the Lord and want to live forever with him put your hands up and clap come on a little louder are you ready just bounce uh no one's the same but one thing remains we all will die but God died and raised now he's alive on the throne of grace his presence is our dwelling place no more tears no more pain even death has passed away you have come